You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. By the time you're hearing this, it is game day, baby. Week one is here. Tampa Bay, Dallas, it's Christmas. We get to enjoy some football. Finally, after months and months and months of just talking about football, it's here. Finally, get to watch a game. Uh, I'm I'm exci- I'm so excited. Like I'm 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 legit. Like in in such a good place in terms of like ha- I'm happy with the offseason content, and I'm just looking forward to providing more content throughout the season. Um, obviously I want to win my leagues, but I I definitely want to help as many people win their leagues as possible. And I want people to have fun. I want people to learn. Um, and I want to just pass on as much as I can moving forward. So I'm looking forward to this new, uh, season of fantasy football content and just the overall NFL season and, you know, just some real football to watch. I'm excited. Um, now there's a lot, a lot of games to go through this this week. Obviously, um, no bye weeks, right? So we have 16 games, all 32 teams playing, uh, which is the best, obviously. Um, I'm going to go through the first eight games. Well, not the, maybe not the first eight games, but I'm going to go over eight games, including the Dallas Cowboys and Tampa Bay Bucks game, uh, and then that's going to be released uh, tomorrow. Well, tonight. Well, it's already Thursday morning. I'm, re- I'm literally recording this at 12.30 in the morning. Um, but it is Thursday. So that this is going to come out today on Thursday. And then the second part will be out on Friday. Uh, I think this is the cadence that I'm going to stick with. I'm going to try my best. Um, like waivers coming out on Tuesdays. Um, the first part of like the matchup. You know, going through all, like, all the games on Thursday. And the second part of that on Friday. Let, let's see how that works out. <laughs> I'm going to try my best. Uh, Joey couldn't make it again today, uh, but hopefully he'll be back soon. Um, but let's get right into it, guys. Um, unfortunately, Austin Eckler um, might have had a hamstring injury. We don't really know. Um, it's a little bit of a of an unknown at this point. Um, the, you know, practice on he, the, the Chargers practice on Wednesday. The portion of the practice that was open to the media, um, Eckler didn't practice. He was over by the individual trainer. He was over by the trainers doing individual work. Um, and then he was stuck with a DNP or did not practice. And it was due to a hamstring. 
right? So it was DNP in parentheses hamstring. Now we have no idea what the severity is. We have no idea if it's real injury. This is a Wednesday, and on Wednesdays most players, um, you know, have you know a, a rest day, like especially like high end players who've you know established themselves and have proved themselves already. Um, but the fact that he was he was over with the trainers probably isn't the most isn't the greatest sign. Um, so you know, if you want to be you know, super cautious, you know, go ahead and pick up Justin Jackson. Uh, he is the one a, um, right now, uh, Josh Kelly is the one is the, I guess the one C if you want to call it a three man committee or a two man committee now. Oh, well, not now. I, I'm, I don't want to say that Eckler's going to miss any time and I hope not. I hope he's okay. Honestly. Um, like I, I went and looked back at the, at the, well, from my notes about the preseason games that they played, um, Justin Jackson, you know, when he played, he played in for only one, he was only in for one drive, uh, which kind of locks him in into that number one, number two role behind Eckler. Uh, Josh Kelly continued to play after that, but he'll be involved if Austin Eckler were to miss any time. Um, so for me, Jackson is the first ad. If you're adding anyone, Kelly's the second ad, you know, I'll make a preliminary ad here. If I have Eckler, um, or if I went zero RB and I don't have much depth at the position and you're like, all right, well, let me take a shot here. Right, but otherwise, I would kind of, you know, stay with what I have, assuming that what I have on the bench is, you know, is legit upside and, you know, legit um, depth that I need. But yeah, I'm just hoping Eckler's okay. He's the man of the he's he's a man of the people. You know what I'm saying? Like this dude embraces fantasy football so much that it's awesome. He even has his own segment on Yahoo Fantasy. That's dope. That's dope. Okay. Let's move on. Let's move on to the game tonight, Cowboys and Bucks. Um, let's look at these quarterbacks first. Um, Dak Prescott, obviously coming off of that injury. Um, you know, going into this game, he seems healthy. Um, obviously, the ankle was an issue and then the shoulder was an issue, but they kind of played it safe and he's looking good to go. I wouldn't be you know, have any reservations about Dak Prescott this week. Um, Tampa Bay, like, you know, they were the, in the middle of the pack last year in, ter- in terms of defending quarterbacks. Um, so, and, and they were still a good defense, obviously. Uh, their pass rush is serious, right? So it, it does suck that the Cowboys might be missing Zach Martin uh, from this game because he was put on the COVID list. Um, I think he, he, did he get COVID? I'm not sure. Um, but the Cowboys, for whatever reason, they weren't ruling him out for this game. Um, you know, at, at least they'll, you know, he's a guard, at least they'll have their tackles to defend the edge. Right. Um, but you know, losing Martin is, is significant. Uh, but you know, like Dak has a high floor, you know, he's going to get some rushing yards, you know, he's always in play to score a rushing touchdown. He plays in an up-tempo offense, a pass heavy offense, and he has serious weapons. So he's in your lineup. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and you, if you drafted Dak, if you had Dak Prescott on your team, then you 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 spent, you know, relatively significant uh, draft capital on him. So put him in your lineup and and enjoy the upside. Um, when he was the quarterback early last season, he killed it, and he, I think he's going to kill it this year again because he's in the system, he has the tools, and he has the weapons. So I wouldn't overthink it. Uh, now, in terms of Tom Brady, uh, he has a good matchup. This dude has a good matchup. Um, all of his we- all of his weapons have great matchups too. So this is an easy week one start. 
Um, just hope, you know, this doesn't turn into a game where, you know, they go up a little bit big and they're just running the ball the entire fourth quarter. The Bucks are, are favored by seven points in this game. Um, this is supposed to be a high-scoring game, obviously. You know, it looks like two, you know, high-scoring offenses. Tom Brady definitely willing to, um, you know, drive up the score. And I think Dak Prescott is going to throw the ball a lot. So, you know, both of these quarterbacks are, are, are fine fantasy starts for this week. Um, if you ask me who I'd rather start, it is Dak Prescott just because of the tools that he has that Tom Brady doesn't. Even though Tom Brady is going to depend on his arm, but Dak Prescott can depend on more than that. All right. Um, let's move on to the running backs. Um, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, this dude um, has a tough matchup like in terms of the front seven, but they allowed the Bucks allowed the least rushing yards last year. But the one thing Zeke has going for him is the fact that he's going to get volume in the pass game. The Bucks allowed the second most receptions and the ninth most receiving yards to running backs last season. And, you know, with Tampa favored by seven in this game, it's possible we see the Cowboys have a ton of pass attempts. Like, you know, we, we, we always think about like, oh, like, you know, they're going to go up and then Zeke's like going to be off the, like not get enough carries. Like, no, like we don't want him to get any more carries. We want him to get targets. And he averaged seven and a half targets with Dak Prescott last season. So don't get cute here, you know, even with Zach Martin potentially missing this game. You're playing Zeke Elliott. All right. Uh, Tony Pollard, you know, he's not somebody that I'm necessarily playing. Like, this doesn't seem like a matchup where, like, I'll consider Pollard in my flex even. Um, Yeah, sure, he can come in for some passing work, but Zeke is going to assume most of that work. Um, So I'm just keeping him on my bench as the best handcuff in fantasy football. Okay, so on the other side of the ball, like Ronald Jones, um, I think he's going to be the 1A in this offense. He's definitely a boom-bust play this week. Um, Not somebody that I'm dying to put in my lineup, but, you know, Dallas did allow the second-most rushing yards to running backs last season, so there is some upside here. Uh, The Cowboys' defense is now run by Dan Quinn, so I'd expect improvements. Um, but the roster like isn't quite there despite the addition of Micah Parsons. Uh, I do expect Rojo to lead the backfield on early downs. Um, I would say like, you know, 15 efficient carries in this game, you know, uh, where the Cowboys are trailing seems somewhat reason- reasonable to me with Leonard Fournette in the fold, obviously. And then, you know, uh, Gio Bernard coming in on passing downs. Um, I'm personally not, you know, really playing Leonard Fournette, obviously between the two. Um, I think I'm playing Ronald Jones, but you know, if Gio, Giovanni Bernard is over that ankle injury, they call it a high ankle, but I, I doubt it unless he got unless he hurt it a while ago. Um, but he played in the preseason, so I don't think this was a high ankle injury. Um, but if Gio Bernard does suit up, this will limit Fournette's time in the field. Um, like, if I had to choose between the three, I think Fournette seems to be the odd man out in terms of snaps. But like, if you talk about this three-man rotation, um, I personally would not feel comfortable with him in my lineup if Gio plays. If Gio does not play, then Fournette becomes a desperate flex option in PPR leagues. Um, all right, let's move to these wide receivers. A ton of wide receivers to talk about, man. Like you're, we're literally uh, starting all three wide receivers in Tampa, um, and then we might be starting all three wide receivers uh, in Dallas as well. Um, if you're starting Michael Gallup, right? So let's start with the Bucks. Um, Mike Evans you know, was the lead dog in terms of targets when all three of the Bucks wide receivers played last season. But it wasn't by much. Like, it was by, like, 0.1 targets over <laughs> Antonio Brown. Um, the good thing is that he is the one targeted the most downfield 
and he will likely get a ton of touchdowns once again. Um, he's not a high floor player, but the ceiling is there. Um, you would expect some inconsistencies from him, but you know, like the ceiling is definitely there against a weak secondary. You know that like Dallas has. Um, the Cowboys actually allowed the most touchdowns to wide receivers last season. So um, Chris Godwin is fine, by the way. Um, he apparently like he, you know he had some sort of quad issue, but he's practicing full. Um, you know Antonio Brown was on the um, was on the was had an injury designation I think on Tuesday as well, uh, but he's he got a practice in full designation on Wednesday, so he's all set as, also. So now between Antonio Brown, you know, and you know uh, Chris Godwin, like I, I honestly like I love Antonio Brown. Um, it, it really felt like a minute, bef- you know, since Antonio Brown has had some good vibes surrounding him. Um, you know, Bruce Aarons is talking him up. Uh, he got a full off season with Brady and in camp with the team. You know, this is a, a you know pretty complicated offensive playbook, so he's had more time with that. Um, and then he's going into Week One, you know, with a really good matchup. Um, so, you know, like I said, the Cowboys allowed the most receiving touchdowns to wide receivers last year. You know, and AB scored six touchdowns over his last six games last season, right, including the playoffs. You know, when and when all three wide receivers played. You know, Mike Evans, like I said, led the team in targets with 7.9 per game, but AB was right there with 7.8 per game. And now with the full offseason, there's room for more. Um, for me, like, he's a borderline wide receiver two this week uh, with a wide receiver one ceiling. Um, let's let's see if I can get into more detail with Godwin. Um, I think, you know, he's more – he's a borderline wide receiver two as well. I, I would consider him like a high-end wide receiver three. I just have a feeling that AB is going to overtake him in targets in a significant way. And he might even, you know, lead this team in targets. We're talking about Antonio Brown here. So I'm a little wary on Chris Godwin, but this dude is a baller. Um, and this is a great uh, matchup for him. So I'm he's going to be in my lineup pretty much. All right, let's move on to the other side of the ball. Um, CeeDee Lamb and... And Cooper, and uh, I'm sorry, I was going to say Cooper Cup, um, and Amari Cooper, right? CeeDee Lamb, you know, he's going to play all over the field this year. Um, Last year, he was primarily in the slot, so, you know, he didn't see like 100% of snaps, like someone like Amari or Michael Gallup would see, Um, but he's going to see snaps from the slot, he's going to see snaps from the perimeter. Um, The Bucs actually weren't great on the perimeter last year in terms of defense, um, and I doubt Carlton Davis shadows anyone in this game. Uh, this is a pass-heavy offense, and Lamb can go off in any g- given game. So he's a high-end wide receiver, too, uh, to me this week. Um, Amari Cooper seems fully back from his ankle injury. And, you know, he, he, the, by the stuff, like the stuff that he's been saying lately, like he's looking to make a statement this year. I, I can see Cooper getting more snaps from the slot this, se- this season with the, with the Cowboys moving these guys around more. Um Dak favored Cooper, you know, over any other wide receiver before he got hurt. So the targets are going to be there regardless of who covers him. Um, the Bucks actually gave up the six most fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers last year. So um, I'm also considering Amari Cooper a high-end wide receiver too. All right. Um, now, Michael Gallup, I am not necessarily starting him in this game. Um, he is moving off the traditional exposition that he was in last year. 
Um, and he should get some more time in the slot and, you know, playing that flanker role. And, you know, I think he'll get a lot more welcome opportunities this season. I think, you know, week one, I think he's a solid flex option. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes an every week wide receiver three because of his new role. Um, and, you know, like I mentioned, the Bucks have given up the six most points to perimeter wide receivers in 2020. So I'm hoping that Michael Gallup can get him more involved this year. Um, uh, we'll see. Uh, but as of right now, he's like, a, you know, somewhat of a desperate flex option, but he has a lot of upside uh, in this game because of that high point total and the fact that Dak is gonna, likely going to be throwing it a ton. All right, let's go over the Steelers and Bills now. Um, ben Roethlisberger, not somebody I really want to start. Um, he has the weapons, um, and but even in a pass-heavy offense last season, he still couldn't pass for a viable fantasy quarterback. He's basically turned into Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, I said it. Um, I would say, like, he's only a quarterback two in Superflex, two quarterback leagues. Um, he's fine in a game where he'll likely have to throw more than he wants against Buffalo. You know, 48 and a half over under. So, you know, there is a possibility that he has a decent game and he actually throws three touchdowns. But I'm not betting on it. Um, Josh Allen, you're starting him. Um, <laughs> you know, as long as he can avoid the Steelers' pass rush, for the most part, he can do his thing. So you're starting him no matter what uh, in his home opener. Um, the You know, Najee Harris, this dude, you know, he has to be in your lineup regardless of the matchup. He's an every-down bell cow. Volume in the run game, volume in the pass game. That is so much more important than matchup. That is so much more important than offensive line or whatever other factor that you're thinking of. So I am starting Najee Harris in this game uh, as an RB1. Now, when it comes to these Bills running backs, um, you know, Zach Moss has a shot to get more work this year, but the Bills didn't really show any of that in the preseason. It's still a split backfield as of right now. It's still a pass-heavy offense as of right now. I keep Moss on my bench to see how it works out. You know, if, if there is a bump to Moss's, you know, workload, then that's great because, you know, he has a skill set, and this is a great offense, and he could benefit. So I'm keeping Moss just in case that happens. In terms of Singletary, like, I'll be extremely hard-pressed if I'm going to have Singletary in my lineup this week. When both backs are healthy, uh, they haven't shown any reason to start either. This is a pass-heavy team, and if there's a back whose role will grow, it's probably Zach Moss and not Singletary. I think Singletary is dead weight unless uh, on your roster unless Zach Moss um, is not playing or is inactive. Um, moving on to wide receivers, Stefan Diggs, um, you're starting to him. <laughs> the matchup is fine as well. Um, they don't have Steven Nelson anymore. They should be good. You know, he should be good regardless. Doesn't even matter if they did have him. Um, Cole Beasley, you know, he's going to be lining up in the slot, but Emmanuel Sanders is likely the guy to, you know, have that wide receiver two role, um, over, over Beasley in terms of targets. Um, I think he's Sanders is like a legit flex option this week. Um, he's been the wide receiver too all camp long, and that seemed to be confirmed this preseason based on where Josh Allen was going with the ball. Um, it's just that Sanders probably can't be trusted all season long because of his age, potential injuries, but I think he can still contribute in this pass-heavy offense um, until anything happens, and it, and it looks like he will get targets. Uh, but, you know, after that point, look out for Gabriel Davis. For real, for real. Okay, I finally get to talk about my boy Deontay Johnson. Um, that's, he's Ben's favorite target. He averaged 11.5 targets per game in full games that he played last year. That would have led the league. 
He scored a touchdown in more than 50% of his full games last year. He's a must-start every week. He's a solid wide receiver, too, and can easily make his way into a wide receiver one in PPR formats. Um, I doubt Tredavious White shadows him because he didn't shadow much last season. Um, this isn't the best matchup in the world, but the volume will overcome. So I'm perfectly fine starting Deontay in every single game that he plays in with Ben Roethlisberger. And surprisingly, even without Ben Roethlisberger, with one of the worst quarterbacks in the league before Roethlisberger, uh, when, when Roethlisberger got hurt, Deontay Johnson was still the best receiver on the team as a rookie. But I digress. Uh, Juju is a PPR flex option. Um, likely will get some shallow targets and, and might actually see some more work on the outside than he did last season. Um, you know, with that you know offensive coordinator change, the Bills did a decent job against the slot in the second half of the season. Uh, so we'll see how how they it, how they continue to do that this year if they do. Um, Chase Claypool was good to go after a minor minor ankle injury a little while ago, and if I'm betting on any wide receiver behind Deont- behind Deontay. It's him. Uh, according to preseason usage, though, with the first team, uh, Juju might be playing over Claypool at times in two wide receiver sets, so hopefully that's not the case. Uh, but Claypool is a flex option until we see how he's using this offense. He has a ton of upside, but I'm not sure he reaches that upside with Ben as his quarterback. Um, I think that's it. I don't think there's really any like tight ends to really worry about when it comes to redraft. When it comes to actually playing in week one. I think we can move on to the Jets and Panthers. The Sam Darnold revenge game. <laughs> I love it. I'm a Jets fan. And, and I, I'm, I'm rooting for Sam to be honest with you. But you know I'm rooting for Zach Wilson. I'm, I'm rooting for Elijah Moore. I'm rooting for Corey Davis. I'm rooting for this, this, this tandem in the backfield. Or like three men. I'm, I'm rooting for this team. You know what I'm saying? I'm rooting for Robert Sala. There's a change happening. I hope Tony Rome is right. But anyway. Um, Sam Darnold, like, you know, this dude, you know, he left Adam Gase, right? And now all of a sudden, he has weapons, right? He has a great offensive coordinator. He can make a turnaround. And it can start against his former team at home. So, if you're in a two-quarterback league, I'm fine streaming him as a quarterback, too. I, I am. I'm perfectly fine with it. Um... As far as Zach Wilson, like, is not a bad matchup against the Panthers, but, you know, he is a rookie in his first NFL start, you know, so I'm fine starting him as a quarterback, too, in Superflex in two quarterback leagues, but outside of that, I will not be looking or considering him. Um, now, this Jets backfield is interesting. You know, Tevin Coleman, you know, was named the starter, right, and, like, the way they've been treating him all offseason – um, was the def- was you know as the starter? Um, it's likely going to be a three way split in the Jets' backfield. Um, the offense might not be great either. So you know if you drafted Coleman, you know I, I understand. Um, but I I think as of right now he's served best on your bench to wait and see how his role pans out. Um, if I had to take a shot on anybody, it would be Ty Johnson. Um, I think he. He's the best bet at being the most productive asset in the Jets' backfield, including in Week One. Um, you know, despite Tevin Coleman being the official starter, but you know he was kind of the official starter at times uh, in San Francisco, but he wasn't the most productive. Now we've seen these two split work almost evenly in the preseason when they played together, 
Uh, but I do think that Johnson has the best chance at creating with his touches. So he's more of a bench stash to me than Tevin Coleman. And if, I, if I'm playing anybody this week, for whatever reason, it's Ty Johnson. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Michael Carter is likely the third back in the Jets rotation. So he's not someone I'll be looking at uh, to put in my lineup in week one. Um, I know a lot of people have their urge to just drop Michael Carter. But let's just see what he can do in week one. And let's see what his role is. Uh, okay, moving on. Do we talk about no, Pan- oh the Panthers running backs? Christian McCaffrey, start him. That's all I got to say about that. Um, <laughs> um, the wide receivers for the Panthers. So DJ Moore, um, you know, was Sam Darnold's favorite target this preseason when all three wide receivers were available to play together. Um, and the Jets have zero good corners. They released Blessed Austin for some reason. I thought he was our best corner, but uh, you know, the Jets don't have enough of a pass rush now that Carl Lawson's hurt. Um, out for the year so there is a chance you know that dj moore blows up in the spot so he's a solid wide receiver to play with upside um robbie anderson you know he was obviously i think he was the favorite target you know for teddy bridgewater last year uh, you know i don't necessarily think that robbie anderson will necessarily like you know, be, be Sam Donald's favorite target just because, you know, they played together in, in New York. You know, Sam didn't have much to work with there, right? Um, I, I think that DJ Moore will still get more targets. It, it would be nice for them to get some revenge against the Jets, though, and I'm sure they'll look to do some of that. Um, but, like, if I had to rank Anderson, he's like a PPR wide receiver three flex option uh, for this week. Um, Terrace Marshall, you know, I'm still surprised that Marshall is available in so many leagues after having a you know a pretty impressive preseason. Um, but you know I get it. Like you know you have Christian McCaffrey, you have DJ Moore, you have Robbie Anderson. You know all ahead of Marshall, like in, you know in all likelihood in terms of targets. But it's possible that the targets are spread out enough where Marshall gets his with efficiency and end zone targets. He's also the primary slot wide receiver, right? And we know that Sam Darnold has targeted the slot a ton throughout his career. So Marshall can easily make a solid debut in week one. Uh, but you drafted him so late that you probably had better options. So, you know, not you know he's not a, a guy that you're like, all right, well, I need to have him in my lineup. That's not necessarily the case here. Um, in terms of Jets wide receivers, I think Corey Davis is a solid wide receiver three, and he can easily finish as a wide receiver two because of the role that he has. Um, he was the first option all camp long, all preseason long. He was targeted on like almost every route he ran this preseason uh, you know, from Zach Wilson. Uh, no Elijah Moore in preseason, but I do expect Davis to continue to be re- relied upon by Wilson. So, uh, and I wouldn't say there's anything to worry about in terms of matchup here. Um, now, Elijah Moore, you know, missed all of preseason, like I said, but he's good to go in week one. Uh, he's one of my favorite stashes, and the hope for him is that there's enough targets to go around. I wouldn't be starting him in week one, you know, coming off the injury and all that. Who knows, you know, will he be limited or whatever. Um, but he's definitely going to be in my bench, and I'll be watching closely. Um, Jamison Crowder, you know, can see a larger role than we think, especially in week one if, if they're limiting more at all. Um, but it is very possible that Elijah Moore becomes the number two target behind Corey Davis off the bat. Uh, I think Crowder is a PPR flex option if you're a little bit desperate. A little bit risky, um, but he he definitely has some upside to get five or six catches in this game. Um, are there any tight ends that we need to talk about here? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, obviously they have tight ends, but are they really going to be fantasy relevant? Eh, I don't know. Okay, let's move on to the 
Jaguars and Texans. Um, obviously, no Deshaun Watson, unfortunately, right? Um, they're going to be starting Tyrod Taylor, and this is going to be a hot trash offense, and I'm only starting him if you play in three quarterback leagues. He'll be my quarterback three in a three-quarterback league, um, and hopefully not. <laughs> All right, so as far as Trevor Lawrence goes, um, Houston's defense isn't good. Uh, it's very possible that Lawrence has a good game this week, but like starting a rookie in week one isn't something I like to do. Um, if you're in a two-quarterback league, super flex league, sure. I can start Lawrence because he has some weapons, right? He has DJ Shark. He has Marvin Jones. He has LaVisca. He, has, he probably has a run game to support him. You know, offensive line is amazing, but he should be all right. That's how I look at him. Um, James Robinson is in a good spot this week. Um, you know, Houston was hot trash against the run last season. They gave up the most rushing yards to running backs. Um, you know, you combine a bad defense, you know, who also just lost J.J. Watt with one that will be down all game. And then, you know, you get a lot of carries out of that, right? So it doesn't get James Robinson. It doesn't get better for him in week one. I think he's a solid RB2 this week. I think the big factor of whether we can rank him higher in coming weeks is whether he's highly involved in the pass game or not. So that's something to look out for this week, and I'll be looking closely for that. Um, Now, Carlos Hyde, you know, he's not someone I'll be starting this week, but I wouldn't be surprised if he got like 12 carries against this bad Texans defense. Um, Let's see how close of a committee... You know, this is between James Robinson, him and James Robinson in week one. Hopefully it's not that close, and I'm hoping that James Robinson has most of that work there. Um, who else? What? Oh, yeah. Oh, here we go. Texans backfield. Jesus. All right. Well, Philip Lindsay, I'm guessing he's going to be, you know, leading that backfield, and I think he'll get the most rushing attempts this week. But, you know, number one, he'll be sharing with Mark Ingram, right, on, on early downs. And then David Johnson in passing situations, so that's not good. Um, and then there's going to be, a, you know, there, there's not going to be a situation where the Texans, you know, can afford to run all game if their offense stinks. So he'll be coming off the field for David Johnson for that. So I'm going to pass on this entire situation here. <laughs> um, in terms of wide receivers, you know, on the Texans side, Brandon Cooks is the number one wide receiver in the Texans. But we're going to have to depend on Tyrod Taylor to get him the ball. Um, so that's not something that I want to depend on. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't expect him to get Cooks the ball, like pretty much. Like he'll probably finish as a wide receiver three, but I don't see any upside in starting him. Uh, he'll be on my bench. Um, actually, he won't because I won't have him rostered anywhere. I don't have him rostered anywhere, so I won't have him on the bench anywhere. But if you have him... I suggest you do, and don't depend on him in week one. But you can do whatever you want. That's just my suggestion. <laughs> um, now, Marvin Jones, you know, has a pretty good matchup this week against the Texans. Uh, you know, especially after they traded Bradley Roby to the Saints. Um, and Marvin Jones has seemed like the favorite of Trevor Lawrence, especially, you know, intermediate to deep. Um, he was named the team captain, and it's possible that he remains the wide receiver one for this team all season long. This week is a wide receiver three. Um, and when you look at what the Texans did last year, they gave up the seventh most fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers. Um, so he'll likely be in for a good week. Chark is back this week. We haven't seen him all preseason. So is it possible that he takes a little bit away from Marvin? Yeah, it is. And then LaVisca ends up you know, being the safest PPR option at that point. 
um, because of the fact that he does play in the slot. So, you know, I think Jones is going to be that dude in the perimeter between, like, him and Shark. I think Chenault is, like, a low-end wide receiver three. PPR, probably a solid wide receiver three. But the Texans, you know, they gave up the most seventh most fantasy points to slot wide receivers over the last eight weeks of 2020. But they did add Desmond King uh, as their nickel corner, who can potentially give, give Visca some issues. But I'm not really, like, fading LaVisca because of that. Um, no tight ends to really talk about here either. Um, let's move on to the next game. Cardinals and Titans. This is an exciting game right here to me. Um, you know, these two quarterbacks, these wide receivers, um, not a great, not great secondaries, high scoring game. I, I, I like this a lot. Um, probably my favorite fantasy football game on the slate outside of the Thursday night game. Um, now, Kyler Murray, like, you can make an argument for Kyler Murray to be the most valuable quarterback in fantasy right now, right? He throws touchdowns, he runs for yards, he runs for touchdowns. Not much more you can ask, right? Like, he's your quarterback one every week, um, especially this week when he goes against one of the worst defenses in football. So he's obviously in your lineup. Um, Now, on the other side of the ball, Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, like, I think this game can turn into a shootout. And Tannehill is one of the best quarterback plays of the week. Um, you know, he has great weapons, right, at wide receiver who have insanely good matchups. Um, and like I said, two bad defenses, two good offenses, and that's what we like to target. Um, so if you're looking at these running backs, you're obviously starting Derrick Henry. You know, I think the offense might make a slight adjustment towards the pass game this year as long as Julio Jones is healthy. But I think Henry is in a great spot in what should be a high-scoring game. Uh, this point total, total is set at 50. I think it could be... Higher than that. All right, let's look at the Cardinals' backfield. Um, now, Chase Edmonds, like, I, this week I think he's a PPR RB2 play. Um, you know, bad Titans defense. He'll likely get the majority of snaps in this backfield. He'll be the favorite for targets out of the backfield as well. And we'll get a good idea of what the snap share looks like between him and James Conner to start the year. I can easily see Edmonds... I think his floor is a back-end PPR RB2 play. Um, I can easily see Edmonds uh, become a high-end wide receiver two. Uh, I'm sorry, high-end running back two, depending on what his role is, uh, you know, in the first few weeks. Um, let's move on to the wide receivers. You're obviously starting DeAndre Hopkins. Um, you know, he's going to get his targets regardless of the matchup. Uh, but this is a good, good, good one. Like, Janoris Jenkins might have some juice left. Like, Caleb Farley, <laughs> not someone you want to put in front of D-Hop. Um, D-Hop is going to eat in what should be a competitive, high-scoring game. Um, now, in terms of the other wide receivers in Arizona, I think Rondell Moore is pretty interesting. I, I just don't know that he could be started just yet because of the unknown of whether he's starting. He's a starting slot wide receiver or if it's Christian Kirk. It seems like, that, like the cat hasn't been let out of the bag just yet as to whether it's going to be him or Kirk. Um, I, I, regardless, he's going to get some touches, you know, as a gadget player at the very least, I'm leaving him on my bench, uh, for now. And, you know, I think Christian Kirk is somebody that can potentially be of value as well. I seem to be the only person who believes that Christian Kirk can be a thing this year because of the presence of Rondo Moore. Um, a lot of people think that it's just going to be Rondo Moore, but I, I'm just not sure, honestly. 
Um, but Rondo Moore is somebody that you want to have on, on your bench just in case he has a big game in week one. And it's very possible that he becomes the number one waiver target uh, if he has a good game. Um, and especially if he's if that means that Christian Kirk has been relegated. That's big for Rondell Moore. Um, let's move on to the other side of the ball with A.J. Brown. Amazing matchup for A.J. Brown. Um, like I said, back and forth game between the Titans and Cardinals, and you know that's exactly what you're looking for. So um, the Cardinals is gonna be, are going to be putting Marco Wilson and Robert Alford on Julio and A.J. Brown. So that's not good. <laughs> I think Brown gets a nod over Julio because of his age, uh, his rapport with Tannehill, his efficiency. Um, just, just he's been so efficient over the past two seasons, and when he's gotten volume, he has absolutely crushed it. Um, but yeah, so I think Julio is probably like a high end wide receiver two this week, and AJ Brown I would put him at a you know maybe like a mid to low end wide receiver one, but. He can easily finish as the wide receiver one, the overall wide receiver one this year. All right, let's any tight tight ends in this game. Um, I don't think so. I'm not starting Anthony Ferkser. That's for damn sure. All right, moving on to the Vikings and Bengals. Um, interesting game here. Um, Kirk Cousins becomes a solid sleep. Uh, you know, um, a solid streamer this week. Um, I think he's going to have a chance to carve up the Bengals' defense, honestly. Uh, it, it lost some firepower this offseason. You know, former Viking Trey Waynes is also out. So both Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are going to be able to eat against, you know, my favorite corner to go up against in terms of wide receivers, and that's Shadobi Iwuzie. Um The dude has been starting on the outside for a while now for the Cowboys in particular, now in Cincinnati. Uh, but he gets eaten alive, man. I, I've seen it so many times. And with the Bengals having some firepower as well, you know, can this turn into a high-scoring game? I don't know because the Minnesota because Minnesota does have a decent defense. So uh, I, might, I might say no, but Kirk Cousins has a good shot of putting up some points. Um, so now that we're talking about that, let's talk about Joe Burrow. You know, he can have success, but it might not happen in week one. It's his first real game off the ACL injury. Um, they don't have a great offensive line. Minnesota's secondary might be somewhat decent, right? When you know when he did play last season, Joe Burrow, he was borderline startable, right? Like you, you, you weren't sure where you were going to get. So, you know, I look for another option this week. You know, despite Vegas looking at this as a high-scoring game, um, I think his receivers can have success, but he might not have enough, you know, to make it worth it worth starting him, you know, as a quarterback one this week. Um, obviously, you start in Dalvin Cook. Cincinnati gave up the third most rushing yards last season, and they've lost more key pieces than they've added this offseason. So he can go off uh, in a big, big way this week. Um, I'm not starting Alexander Madison. Um, now, on the other side of the ball, we have Joe Mixon. Uh, Mixon will have a, you know as close to an every-down role as he's ever had. So he's in your lineup as an RB1. Uh, Minnesota gets some of their key missing pieces on defense back this year, but this is supposed to be a high-scoring game, according to Vegas. Who knows? Um, but either way, I think you know work in the receiving game gives Mixon that high floor. And if Cincinnati is chasing the Vikings late, I think Mixon can easily see six, seven catches in this game. Um, moving on to wide receivers, T. Higgins, you know, is that dude? I think right now for uh, Joe Burrow. 
Um, he's somebody that I, you know, I, I liked a lot this offseason. And I think that he's going to be an alpha at least to start the year. Um, he had a great rookie year, a very underrated rookie year. He was still getting it done without Joe Burrow, which just means a lot, I think. Um, and now that Joe Burrow's back, I think Joe, I think T. Higgins can do his thing. You know, he was being targeted all over the field, um, and he was doing well against uh, on the perimeter as a rookie, which says a lot. Um, so I think that because they have some rapport, I think Higgins, you know, is that dude uh, for now. Um, I think. Tyler Boyd is going to be a safe PPR option every single week. He has that rapport with Joe Burrow as well. So I'm, you know, treating Tyler Lockett as like a PPR wide receiver three, um, you know, with a little bit of upside because, you know, Joe Burrow can potentially look for him in the in the end zone like he has, like he did last season to start the year. Um, you know, and then you have the rookie, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase obviously got to a slow, got off to a slow start in preseason, but I'm not taking too much, too much of that into account when I'm evaluating him. In week one, do you want to start him with all the other targets that he has? He has Joe Mixon, he has T. Higgins, you know, he has Tyler Boyd. You know, do we really want to start the rookie in week one? Probably not. Not me, at least. I want to put him on my bench. I want to see how he does, and kind of go from there. Right, um, that's how I want to approach this situation personally. Um, now, on the other side of the ball, like I said, you know, with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, I honestly think that Justin Jefferson can potentially go nuclear in Week One. Trey Waynes is out. Shadobi Awuzie is going to be the primary perimeter corner on him, so I, I think that Jefferson can do his thing, and, and so can Thielen. Thielen might just be more efficient. He might not get a shit ton of targets, but Thielen can. Um, see some efficiency, uh, especially when it comes to being targeted in the end zone. Irv Smith is hurt, so I won't be talking about any tight ends there in this game at all. Um, let's talk about the Chargers and the Washington football team. Um, Justin Herbert, you know, obviously a lot of people drafted him as their QB1, um, but this isn't necessarily a matchup like I'd be excited about. First game with a new offensive coordinator. He's going up against a tough pass rush and overall defense. You know, with a relatively low Vegas point total. He's a he's a borderline quarterback one play for me this week. And if he smashes this week, you got yourself a keeper. Uh, as far as Ryan Fitzpatrick goes, you know, he should be fine in this game. You know, he's a potential streamer, but I just don't think, you know, this game is going to be revolved around him. I think, you know, you know they're going to be without Curtis Samuel this week. So they will likely depend on Antonio Gibson a ton. In week one, he has Terry McLaurin, he has Logan Thomas, but I'd wait and see on Fitz in terms of what they allowed him to do uh, before putting him in my lineup. In terms of his pass catchers, you know, Curtis Samuel is out, so Terry McLaurin, you know, he's he, he's a professional, right? He's going to get it done, right? Like, And now he has more upside with Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing him the ball, so he he's a clear... Uh, wide receiver one this week. Uh, hopefully we get to see a little bit of Diami Brown. Uh, I can finally move move to tight <laughs> to tight end so I can talk Logan Thomas. Um, Thomas, I think he becomes a de facto number two target behind McLaurin with Curtis Samuel out, and it might even continue after this game. To be honest, like Thomas almost has a full route participation, you know, uh, on his belt uh, as a tight end. So that's awesome. Right, like he's set up to have some real volume 
on this uh, offense uh, at the tight end position. So, you know, that, that kind of, you know, route participation is rare uh, for tight ends. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to him being able to, like, do his thing this year and potentially even have a bigger year than he had last year. All right, moving forward to the Eagles and Falcons. Um, Jalen Hurts, man, like, he has tremendous upside every single week because of that rushing ability. And he gets to play against the Falcons in week one. That's super awesome, <laughs> right? The Falcons are, you know, they are really bad on defense. And Hurts can exploit them in so many ways. Um, Hurts has more weapons than you think, right? And the disrespect in fantasy circles honestly makes no sense to me when it comes to him. Like He averaged 80 yards rushing in the three games he played last season. He threw for 300 yards in two of them with no weapons, by the way, or no offensive line, right? And ran for 100 yards in that in the game that he didn't throw for 300. So if you draft the Hurts, you might have struck fantasy gold. I think he's a solid quarterback one this play, I mean this week, and he has top five upside for sure. Uh, in terms of Matt Ryan, uh, he lost Julio, right? Not good. He still has Calvin Ridley. He gained Kyle Pitts, but we don't know how much of an impact Kyle Pitts is going to have in year one. Um, and I think with what the Falcons have in their backfield, it doesn't seem like they're like extremely committed to the run game. So, you know, I wouldn't be excited to put Ryan in my lineup this week, but you know, it's not a, and it's not a matchup, but it's not a matchup that you would necessarily stay away from, if that makes sense. Uh, the running backs, um, now Mike Davis, you know, we really don't know what to expect from him, right? Like apart from him leading this backfield, how many touches is he going to get? Is he a three-down guy? Is he going to be a workhorse? Uh, a lot of questions surrounding him. So I would be looking Davis as like a borderline RB2 flex play this week um, as this can become a committee. Um, so if Davis commands 70% of snaps, I think he can easily be a high-end RB2, but that remains to be seen. So let's, let's see what happens there. Um, in terms of wide receivers for the Falcons, um, you know, Calvin Ridley. Right, like with Julio Jones gone, he's going to eat targets for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Now Darius Slay and Stephen Nelson are now the guys on, you know, on the perimeter for Philly, so they they've definitely upgraded there. But really, he's one of the best technicians in the game, so he's going to be in your lineup, obviously. Now, as far as Russell Gage goes, you know, he he is the Falcons' wide receiver too, but I don't think he'll have much success against Darius Slay or Stephen Nelson. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure that Gage is going to be running all of his routes from the slot either like he's used to. I can easily see Hayden Hurst and Kyle Pitts being on the field together a lot, which means more 12 personnel and less 11, you know, with Gage in the slot, right? He might have to handle some 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 coverage on the outside, which is not what he's used to. Um, now, Kyle Pitts, like, obviously, you know, you drafted Pitts. If you drafted him, you drafted him to start. Right, like there's not much else to stay here. The Eagles gave up the eighth most fantasy points to tight ends last year, but their secondary has improved quite a bit since last season. So, you know, you you, you want to hope that he is Matt Ryan's second target behind Ridley uh, if you ended up drafting him. Okay, let's let's hit up Miles Sanders real quick. Miles Sanders uh, is the clear early down back for the Eagles, and they made that clear in camp. No one is touching his early down work. Um, Atlanta is a bad defense, and Sanders is an easy RB2 with RB1 upside because of the matchup, because of his big playability, um, and we might see some high scoring in this game. So let's hope he can retain some of that magic 
he had with Hurts at quarterback last year. And let's hope that Hurts actually targets him in the pass game. Let's hope that these coaches actually trust him to, to play in the pass game. So he had a one good year of, of being really good in the pass game, one good year of being terrible. So let's see what happens this year. If Sanders has a, a significant role in the passing game, you've struck gold as long as he can stay healthy. Um, now, as far as the Eagles wide receiver situation, let's, let's move on to that. Um, Devontae Smith is the clear wide receiver one for Jalen Hurts. I would have loved to see Smith cook up some legit <laughs> DBs in week one. Uh, but he goes up against A.J. Terrell and Fabian Moreau, so, like, nothing crazy. Uh, Atlanta did give up the most fantasy points to wide receivers last season, the third most to perimeter wide receivers. So it is possible that we see Devontae Smith's breakout in week one. Now, the guy that I'm interested to, like, potentially on waivers this year is Quez Watkins. Um, I think he's going to surprise some people, even, like, as soon as this week. At the very least, he's going to have some good weeks. And he might not be consistent, but there is a possibility that he's more than just, like, a one-week wonder, you know, this year. It's quite likely that he's the number two behind, number two wide receiver, at least, behind Devontae Smith, ahead of Jalen Rager. Um, as far as, like, his attributes, he has serious speed. Um, and Jalen Hurts has shown willingness to take shots to Watkins this preseason with the first team. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to be starting him, obviously, but I will definitely be eyeing him, putting him on my watch list, you know, all of that. Um, who else? Uh, Jalen Rago not starting his ass. Um, tight ends. Dallas Goddard. Like, I, I expect the similar snap share um, that he had last year with Zach Ertz. Possibly less 12 personnel if they like the wide receivers enough, which means that less time for either of these guys on the field. But of course, you know, Ertz can get traded eventually, potentially. But for now, Goddard isn't a slam dunk, right? He's still a tight end one, and this is still a damn good matchup. But, you know, you know, you still have to understand that Goddard doesn't have that full-time role yet. But the good thing is that Atlanta did give up the most receptions and third most yards to tight ends last season. So that, that's, a, that's a really good sign. Um, in, in terms of Zach, as far as Zach Ertz goes, like he's going to be pretty involved, and Jalen Hurts has shown that he likes to target the tight end, no matter who's out there. Uh, but you know the Falcon, like I said, the Falcons matchup is a great one for tight ends. But just keep in mind that Ertz is going to split time with Dallas Goddard. Um, if you're like struggling at tight end, he is a dart throw, like he's a smart dart throw. But just make sure that like there are a couple of tight ends that are, who could be available that might get more of a of a you know full workload than Zach Ertz would get. Um, I think that does it. I think I talked about all of these games. I think I've hit eight games now. Um, so that's great. Eight games coming tomorrow now. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope that helped. I hope it made a couple of your lineup decisions a little bit easier. Um, but the full rankings uh, on the website will come out on Friday uh, for free. In week one, not only will it be rankings, but there'll be blurbs for almost every fantasy relevant player or at least guys that you're thinking about starting in week one. So I look forward to that. And I'm, I hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast. So uh, if you like the podcast, I, you know, it would be amazing for you guys to just take down, you know, just take a couple of seconds and and rate the podcast and, um, you know, hit me up on Instagram. I'm at Upper Hand Fantasy. Um, so hit me up. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll talk to you guys later. Enjoy some football tonight. Let's go. Take it easy, guys. See ya.